I don't need to tell anyone that, that there's a massive supply and demand issue now with not only agriculture, it's across most industries, but with staff. Um, and I think, you know, all of us back five, 10 years ago, we had it a little bit easy in the sense that if we brought someone in, they weren't good, we'd push them out with three behind them, potentially coming back in to replace them. And, and that's nowhere near what happens now. So I think there needs to be a major mindset change here with the employers um, in the sense that, you, you know, these candidates have got numerous, numerous opportunities. Gone are the days of, of you know, expecting them just to appreciate a job offer. Welcome to Boots Off, Log On, a podcast where we talk all things farm business, a show about the business of farming, bringing you insights and wisdom from the leaders in farm business, helping you minimise risk and maximise return on all your hard work. I'm David, and I'll be your host for the show. G'day, everybody, and welcome again to the podcast. Finding and retaining good employees for your farm business has become one of the great challenges for farm businesses in Australia. Today on the podcast, I talk with John Boot from Drover Ag Recruitment. John is a straight shooting recruiter for farm businesses across Australia. And before starting Drover Ag Recruitment in 2019, he spent many years managing mixed farming and cattle operations in Victoria and South Australia plus larger pastoral operations in the Northern Territory. So he comes to to recruitment with a unique skill of having walked in the shoes of his clients and his candidates. We talk today about the mind shift farmers need to go through to be able to attract and retain good people. And how if you want to be an employer that people want to work for, you need to start by looking at yourself and your business culture. He says one of the keys to engaging and retaining good people is communication, inclusion, and to stop micromanaging your people. John explains how there are great career opportunities in agriculture for people across all of Australia, but the industry has a poor reputation as an employer and how it's a collective responsibility for all farmers to change this culture. John explains how good operators are finding and retaining staff and how it's become one of the main strategic advantages of their business and starts off by explaining some of the steps that you will need to start making to join their ranks. If you're in farming and you need to employ people, this blunt wisdom and insight is something you can't ignore. I hope this insight from John helps you start your journey to becoming an employer of choice in the ag industry. Now over to John. All right, John, well, welcome um, to the podcast. Great speaking to you again. Um, And before we get into all the meaty stuff, mate, can you uh, just um, tell us a bit about Drover Ag? What's the Drover Ag story and how did you get to where you are today? Because you weren't always in recruitment. No, I wasn't, David, and thank you for having me today. Um, So I, I, I suppose I started... Um, went to the School of Hard Knocks. I, I started in agriculture when I was a young fella, uh, age of 14, uh, when um, I was actually asked to leave school, funnily enough. Um, so I went into agriculture that way, started my broadacre farming apprenticeship back then and sort of progressed quite quickly through that, um, uh, originally from Victoria and then uh, worked in a lot of places in Victoria and then sort of branched out from there. And uh, my, my career grew quite quickly. I was more involved in intensive cattle breeding, um, artificial breeding and, and stud work with, with cattle, um, which 
uh, see me managing at an early age, early 20s, um, and then progressed right through to my last role four or five years ago, actually up, up in the Northern Territory as a general manager for uh, numerous pastoral properties up there. Um, so I sort of went out with, uh, started with a bang and, and uh, wanted to succeed in ag and, and was managing at quite a young age. So by the time I was mid-30s, I'd, I'd sort of ticked off everything on my bucket list. Um with management and, and then decided to um, relocate here where I'm, I'm based on the Sunshine Coast. My wife's an ag consultant herself um, and she basically said after 20 years of following me around the country that we're going to settle, get the kids into good, some good schooling um, and allow her to progress in her career, which is, is uh, as an ag consultant. So that happened four or five years ago, um, relocated to the Sunshine Coast here and I wondered what I was going to do. I've always had a passion for finding the right or watching the market in agriculture with uh, with where where different people end up and and always used to recommend friends for positions and, and always kept my eye on the market. So I thought that was a, a good place to start, thinking that Drove Rag will uh, keep me busy for a few hours a day and that'll be enough to allow me to do a little bit on my own block here. But um, <laughs> since then, and we're just not far off um, turning four years of age, so we started in late 2019, um, and just about to turn four um, now. Uh, so came a long way. It's, the business has grown significantly. Um, I've started by myself um, with zero clients, of course, and, and now we're at a stage where, you know, I've got eight staff based all around Australia and um, and, and over, over 14, 1,500 clients Australia-wide too. So that's, I suppose, where I ended up. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Now, so when we talk, because we're going to be talking ag recruitment amongst other things today. So really when you're placing um, people into roles, I mean, you're not doing it from an academic point of view. You've worked a lot of those roles. You've worked in those those types of businesses a lot of your life. And obviously your wife with her experience is consulting to a lot of those experiences. Does that make a difference when you've actually stood in the shoes of the people that you're recruiting for or, or and both from a client point of view and a um, a potential um, employee point of view? Oh, most definitely. It, it really does. And, and it's, um, you know, when I when I looked at starting a, an ag specialist recruitment business, I thought, well, there's a lot of players out there. Um, but then the old saying is you don't need to recreate the wheel. You just have to find something that you like doing and do it a little bit better than everyone else. And, mm-hmm. and I think that is one of our biggest point of differences david um that no we're not hr qualified um we've spent most of our life all my staff have spent majority of their life out hands-on in agriculture um um, so it does make a massive difference it it allows us to build a a, a respect a lot quicker and more effectively with with both the client and the candidate um because they just see us as um you know with our exceptional connections through the industry but we're also farmers too so we talk the lingo um, and from a candidate perspective, we don't drive them away by asking them silly psychoanalysis sort of types of questions. We we we're very good judges of character, and within a five or ten minute conversation, uh, we can sort of pick you know who this character is and 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 if they're going to make it work in in the role they're going for. If or if if it does, if not in that role, we'll, we'll certainly generally have someone else that we sort of click and go, oh, geez, that'd be a perfect person for this person for this client. So no, it does. It makes a massive difference. Yeah, and recruitment. I mean, recruitment is a lot like uh, matchmaking, isn't it? You're finding two people who can, you know, hopefully, 
um, work together for a, a good chunk of time. Um, and so you've um, it is a lot like matchmaking in that way sometimes, isn't it? Well, it is. And, and um, again, completely different than finding people for the city or regional centres where, they, you know, they'll be in your office for eight hours of that day and then go home, whereas, as you can appreciate or as you know, um, Putting people on pro on other people's properties, um, they're they're all living on the same place. They've got to get on well, and, and that's another big point of difference that we do is, you know, our, our, our catch cry is that we find exceptional people for exceptional businesses. Is mainly that personality match. I think is more crucial than a skill match, mm -hmm. um, um, because as you know, we we would all prefer to take a person with lesser skills and, and the right personality um, rather than 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 the all the skills under the sun, but uh, not someone that we're going to get on well with or, or be happy to have at the dinner table um, for a birthday party with our kids and things like that. So it, it, it's a big part of what we do um, and, and how, how we sort of conduct our due diligence. Yeah. yeah, you said to me when we were talking on the phone the other day, and I really love this, um, this, this um, value that you have. You said you've got to remember you're hiring people, not labour units, and it really changes the way you think about it or the way you approach it can you just drill into that a little bit more for me yeah so i mean i don't need to tell anyone that, that there's a massive supply and demand issue now with with not only agriculture it's across most industries but with staff um and i think you know all of us back five ten years ago we had it a little bit easy in the sense that if we brought someone in, they weren't good, we'd push them out with three behind them potentially coming back in to replace them. And, and that's nowhere near what happens now. So I think there needs to be a major mindset change here with the employers um, in the sense that, you you know, these candidates have got numerous, numerous opportunities. Um, gone are the days of, of, you know, expecting them just to appreciate a job offer um, <laughs> um, and, and come in. <laughs> Thrive on uh, thrive on neglect, and uh, and we'll give you a one bedroom, five bedroom cottage out the back to go with it. Um, or the meat seller, mate. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so <laughs> it, it is, and, and I think it does. It comes down to you are dealing with people now. And I, another thing I like to say, David, too, is, and I've had to learn this in my own business too, which has been difficult, but but I, I believe a lot of people do need to do this. Is just, I suppose, be happy with eighty or ninety percent from your staff. Um, you're never going to get that 100 or 110%. You're never going to find that person that's going to do it the same way as you. Um, mm. And I think that's a big problem in ag now is that um, there hasn't been that mindset shift yet. So um, treat them like people, communicate with them, ask them questions. It's not it's not that difficult. Mm. Yeah, and the, and the reason I got in contact with you originally is our clients and farmers, like you said, across Australia, well, actually businesses across the world really, um, are really struggling with both recruitment and retention. Um, this is a well, it's a global problem. Uh, interesting. Um, uh, earlier this year, I was actually in Japan, and um, they had no bus drivers to get us about because they can't recruit bus drivers, and most of the um, cafes in town were shut because they can't get staff. So this is a very much a global issue. Um, Yet I met a, uh, one of our clients yesterday and she has recruited all her staff for the year. She has a really solid team in play. She has already um, a, a really big bunch lined up for seeding and harvest this year and is doing it really well. And she's really happy with our group, her group of people. So 
what are the farm? And so some farmers are getting it really right and getting the people they want and everything. And some farmers are just struggling day in, day out. Um, what are you seeing the difference between those two types of businesses and why they, some are succeeding and some aren't? So um, with that client you referred to just, just now, David, she needs to write a book and, and, um, and send it to, to majority of Australian farmers. She's obviously doing an exceptional job. Um, so no, and you do hear that. We hear it all the time that people, they don't need to come to recruiters. Um, and well done to them. They've obviously got a very good, uh, you know, brand image out there, if you can call it that, or, or they're, they're well known to having an exceptional culture to work for, um, which is, is a rarity. Um, so those people, and, uh, you know, I used to do a lot up in the pastoral industry, which we don't do much of it now, um, is that there's a, a lot of big pastoral properties up north that have got a very good social media following. They get their staff interact, to interact on their social media to sort of explain their journey throughout their, their employment. Everything's happy. They're all well communicated to. They're well looked after. They're treated as a person, not as a labour unit. Um, you know, who knows? I don't know this person you're referring to, but I'm guaranteed she would have good accommodation. Uh, they don't expect mahal, but it's obviously neat. Um, um, paying above award rate and and is probably open to listening to their 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 feedback, their thoughts, their suggestions, and as opposed to like we keep referring to being a bloody labour unit. You know, she's obviously including them in the business um, and making them feel wanted. Um, so good on her, and and it's that is as simple as it is, and that's what I'm trying to achieve with Joe Rag in a perfect world. If we can start to educate a lot more of our clients, potentially I'm doing myself out of a job, which is, in my eyes, is is a beautiful thing because the whole industry needs to needs to adapt and and and, and pivot currently to um to 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 be successful in 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 recruitment. Interesting enough, I asked her. I said, "So why have you been so successful?" And she goes. We just really look after our people, and and they find other people who want to be looked after really well as well. So, um, it, it's interesting. Yeah, and a question I ask a lot of our clients is, you know, that, that may have a bad name in the industry, whether deserved or not. I'm, you know, it's it's a hard thing to change if there is one, if there is a negative perception out there. Um, is would you feel comfortable getting one of your current staff members to handle your recruitment for you? You know, what would these your current staff say about you behind closed doors to a potential new employer? And that's exactly right. What you said before about that that lady is that um, a lot of these big pastoral businesses and other businesses down south too do use their own staff to recruit, and there's nothing more relaxing and secure for a candidate to get to actually talk to the existing staff member and, and, and have a, you know, get a, get that positive feel from them. Um, yeah. So that goes to the old chestnut and it's, and it's um, you see it in every business magazine in every capital city, you know, the employer of choice awards. <laughs> um, but what does, I mean, you are fussy about your clients. We've talked about this off air before and, you know, so for you, in your experience as both an employer and employee and as a, as a recruiter into these businesses, what do these, you know, if a farm business had a checklist or a, a set of criteria it had to set up to become an employer of choice or a minimum criteria that you would recruit for, what would that business look like? Like what things would I have to get right? For you to want to recruit good staff into them well the first big thing and the most important thing for us is for them to realize the state of the market and and appreciate that um that recruitment is not a 
not a Monday, not an awful thing that we all have to do. I mean, if you've got to, if you get that shutter down your spine when you mention the word shit, you know, I've got to find another farm <laughs> manager, um, and you just go into it negative, it negatively. Um, I think you need to just stop and have a think about it first. Um, you know, the, the good clients we're dealing with appreciate where the market is and, and understand that they have to make changes in their own business. They can't go on as normal. Um, whereas majority, and I mean a majority, are, you know, what the old saying, the definition of insanity is, is um, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. They need to st step back and, and make a few changes their end um, is 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 the main thing that I, I would like the audience the audience to hear. So what do those changes look like? Because um, you've you'd come across a lot of businesses you would never put anyone near. Um, so what are the changes they need to do look like? Well, I mean, these it's a broad question. It, it depends on what type of role we're, we're recruiting for. So, you know, a lot of, and we're running surveys currently, we're doing this all the time, getting feedback from our candidates as to what makes them tick, you know, what is, what is attractive to them. And funnily enough, um, we don't really need to run them, but um, because we generally know talking with, with hundreds of candidates all the time, every, every week or so, is that, you know, they're not, and the big perception out there is that they, they're all money-hungry buggers. Um, they want massive money. It's simply not the case. You don't have to pay uh, ridiculous money. You have to be within market expectations. Um, they These can, they, you again, it comes down to communication and inclusion. Um, they want to see a positive work environment. They want to be included in decision-making. Um they, they want to be part of the team as opposed to, like, we keep referring to that labour unit, which majority of them are um, referring to their staff as their, their labour units. Um, that's majority. And, you know, we've got numerous, numerous exceptional senior candidates that will take a pay cut to go into the right culture, um, mm -hmm. to be included, be part of the team, all that sort of stuff. So um, the biggest thing is here that we're finding where a lot of area issues arise with 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 our clients and, and losing staff is just there is no communication um you know have have you ever exit interviewed any of your outgoing staff and, and majority of them haven't but don't just assume that there was a staff it was their fault um mate but also have a look at yourself and, and appreciate where the market is and realise that um, that you're going to have to include these people, and communicate with them effectively, educate them, progress them, um, and and treat them as family, as part of the part of the team. Um, it's not a big, it's not a big ask. Yeah. Yeah, I was at um, the uh, Rural Edge conference for the last couple of days, and one of the one of the um, advice and I can't remember the speaker but they said it was around it was it was it was around a topic similar to labor labor force and they said you've got to um not sort of um get get out of your head that you know this is how I work for my father and you know you know that all that stuff and actually the market and the people are no longer there anymore so you actually have to meet the market where it is rather than where you were 20 years ago or when you were the same age and I thought it was an interesting. It is, and that's that's what I sort of referred to. Is there needs to be a mindset shift? Is that um, the the candidate pool has reduced? Um, you know, the supply and demand has increased. You know, we're coming out of out of the COVID pandemic. You know, there was a mass exodus of backpackers that left a massive hole in the, in the system. 
Um, you know, a lot of struggling uh, cockies of northern New South, southern Queensland came out of prolonged drought. They all went from one or two labour units to six and eight. Um, then with incentives throughout the pa- pandemic, everyone's gone into spend money mode with the commodity boom and all that sort of stuff. It's just mm-hmm. been, which is just, it's taken a lot of people out of the network. Um, and unfortunately, there's not new ones coming in, which we can talk about a bit later, but that's also another issue. So that they need to appreciate that and and realise that what happened even three years ago with staff is completely different now. And just to drop your guard a little bit, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people are still micromanagers, severe micromanagers. And, you know, you and I spoke about this a week or so ago on the telephone in, in the sense that, you know, some of these businesses that are operating in, in regional centres or cities, you know, how they operate with their staff now, they wouldn't, they wouldn't survive. Um, you've got to, you've got to bring the right people in. Um, you've got to attract them first, which is, you know, we, we do a good job of that if you've got a good business, but you've got to bring them in and let them go in that role um, and give them a bit of autonomy um, instead of hovering over them. And, and that's why, you know, successful businesses will, will put, will delegate, put staff in that role and, and let them, let them manage it basically, whereas farmers don't do that. They put them in that role and then hover over them. Um, which which no one wants. Is that just trust issues? It's 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 um many farmers. You know, you mentioned about the growth and the investment. So there's a lot of people who have invested. I mean, the amount of property sales in the last few years. So a lot of people have got bigger. So many people have only ever worked. It depends on how big your property's been and for how long. But a lot of people have only ever worked for themselves or their family. And as they've grown, they've become employers. And so you saying that there's a you, – you talk about mindset before. Is that, you know, is that mindset really the biggest one? You know, like now you actually are no longer just a farmer, which you probably – if you're already grown, you're good at. You are now actually a people manager, which is a completely different skill. Exactly right, and that, you're dead right. And and but there's so so much education out there. There's so many short courses you can do to 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 learn more about that. But that is the main problem. Um, that and that's where this micromanaging, hovering over these people, comes from. Is that they are so attached to the family farm, uh, it, and and they need to realise that yes, it is a family farm, but it needs to operate like a like a productive business. Um, so just step back a bit from that. Um, release yourself from that family feel. Don't feel threatened from these people coming in, um, but you know promote them and and allow them to do what they what they what they want. Not necessarily what they want to do, but what they what they excel in. Um, and just step back and expect you know, like I said before, seventy or eighty percent out of them. Um, and don't jump on them if they if they're only achieving you know seventy or eighty percent. Um, we don't expect anyone in the market you know to drop the bar with um, with with what they're looking for or the quality of these candidates. It's just realizing that they are running a business and a business needs effective, good staff to be able to effectively operate. Um, and I suppose another thing we say all the time is you know, when people come back and say, you know, exceptional person, but they want $10,000 more than our budget or 15 k more than what we've, we've allocated is that, again, in a, in a more, you know, uh, intensive business management side of, side of any business anywhere is that you've got to look at not what that may, is going to cost you, but what it's going to cost you not to have that person in that business, in that role. Um, mm-hmm. 
So that's another big thing. So they just need to pull themselves back from that family farm mentality. Yes, it is a family farm. These guys aren't going to come in and, and move into the homestead or, or um, you know, pull out, pull down a shearing shed that the granddad put up. But they they want to be part of the business, and you've got to let them be part of that. And and the advantage of that. So is this as much about this idea of I want to get people, I need to um, recruit and retain people, but there's a lot of, from what you're saying, edu- personal education, learn, is it about investing in yourself? In other words, if you want, what I'm hearing is if you want these good people and you want the the advantages of having them and keeping them, that you're going to actually have to probably start with yourself and your business and set yourself up both from an education and training point of view and your business from a business structural point of view to actually almost be able to, you know, bring these good people in um, and, and so you can keep them. Is is that starting with yourself a lot of the of the challenge here? Oh, definitely. Definitely. And, and, you know, any effective business leader or manager or owner or whatever, I mean, we're constantly, I, I've got, you know, 40 books there about this that I'm reading all the time. I'm watching it. I'm, I'm, I'm going, joining podcasts or watching, listening to podcasts about effective business leadership and management and stuff. I don't believe majority of these people are doing this. Then they're not seeing themselves as the um, restriction point here, whereas they are. Mm. Um, and yeah. they need. And I'm happy. I'll happily, I happily tell that to people all the time. Is that you need to go and self reflect here. Um, go and educate yourself, and that doesn't mean a four year uni degree. Go and pick up a bloody good business management book, a people management book. You know, read a little bit about um, psychology, all that sort of stuff. It's it. It, you know, five minutes a week is all it would take realistically, but you've got to realise that you've got to actually drop your guard to realise that I needed to do, do this to, to, to and effectively run my business. Um, that's, that's the biggest shift that's happened in agriculture recently is that these guys are managing big businesses. They're, they're controlling major assets, um, but they, they've failed to work on themselves. Um, um, apart from going to uni, ag, ag college 30 years ago, they haven't done any further training. And that's the thing you're saying. These are big businesses now and they're, and so they're, what you're saying is we, we talk, and like I've just been to this conference but many others and many other books, we always talk about the professionalisation of agriculture and I know people um, sort of have a love-hate relationship with that idea. But as soon as you get beyond your small family unit, you are essentially... Um, needing to professionalise. And and what we're talking about today and what I'm learning from you is this structure of your business on how it employs and, and looks after people and works with people is part of that professionalisation journey, not just getting, making sure, I don't know, your books and accounting and OH&S is up to date. Dead right. Yep. So um, what I want to ask is um, what can... Another another guy I was talking to a couple of days ago, actually at, at lunch at this that at this conference, he had set up a lot of great systems, um, and uh, he's talking about he was talking about really great things like um, um, journeys for his staff and um, inductions and a whole lot of stuff. And I said, where did you where did you learn all this? And he goes, oh, when I was younger, I worked in mining, and he goes, I just started to adapt a lot of the things I learnt whilst in mining to the farm. Um, not, you know, I, I don't have their size or budget or anything, but there was a whole lot of stuff that when I was a young fella in that system that it was really good. I knew where I was at. I knew where I was going. I knew what I had to do. I knew I was safe. So 
is there things that, you know, as farm businesses, we can look to other industries who are ahead of where the farms are and go, I can start learning some stuff from them. Most definitely. And, and unfortunately, it's majority of the other industries that, that um, I suppose you look at, and it doesn't have to be, you know, a multi-billion dollar successful business sitting in Sydney. You know, a lot of, there's a lot of fantastic businesses around there. And, and you look at, you know, joining these sorts of things uh, over the last 10 years for myself is that very rarely you find farmers doing them. Um, you know, there are some some options out there for farmers, but um, again, I, I, it's you don't have to look very far to get the right support. You've just got to realise that I just need, you know, maybe I need to better myself um, to, to make this business work, you know, go forward. That's the biggest thing is that you tell any cocky nowadays that, you know, you need to go and work on yourself. You, you know what they're going to say. And it won't be nice. <laughs> so, um, you know, you got to do that um, quite kindly. But I think the whole industry needs to realise that they need to go and reassess themselves and and, and further their education in, 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 this, in business management, not farm management, business management, effective people, leadership, management, sort of stuff, yeah. And is this going to be one of the great success factors? Like we see in every district in every part of Australia, and I'm sure it's the same everywhere in the world, you get some operations that are just leaping from um, strength to strength. Um, do you believe in your, and you've recruited for a lot of those operations, do you believe that really good people management and the systems around those people is one of their competitive advantages as a business? It's one of the biggest. Yeah, it is. A, in some cases, they're major ones. You're dead right. Um, and again, because we are in that supply and demand um, issue now with with agricultural staff is that, you know, there's so many options out there for them. They're going to be a lot more pickier and they're going to do a lot more research before they set foot up your driveway for an interview even. You know, and it adds significant time to what we do, um, you know, in, ensuring that they are interested in that position um without you know trying to better themselves by going back to their current employer so no it is it's a it's a major thing so and as we all know you know bad news travels a lot quicker and faster than good news and, and mm-hmm. you know for example you guys being in the on the west coast there we do a fair bit over there that you know pulling a candidate from the east coast here they don't know anyone over there within 24 hours they're going to know the color of their letterbox and what they're like actually um, and if so, if there is that negative um, perception or, or, or knowledge out there in the market, you've got to address that. And that's why these these businesses are succeeding in in, in attracting staff um, uh, because they don't have a bad name. They treat them fairly like, like the lady you referred to earlier. Um, and you, you will still have staff lining up at your door. And, and um, you know, I... I even within my business, Drove Rag, um, with with eight staff, I've got, you know, you give them full autonomy. You you let them have their their head. You let them be part of the decision making. You just treat them like people, and um, and you know, we just ran a campaign recently looking for a social media uh, recruitment type of person, and and we had 30, over thirty in the shortlist. You know, we're beating them away with a stick. We've constantly got people wanting to come to us because we do have a good name in the industry. So that's. It's very easily done from the back end here, um, but it may, and it, but it, it just the ripple effect is amazing. Like you're basically pushing away so much talent um, that, that wants to come and join you, and it's not hard to get to that. Point. Yeah, it, it, what are some of the um, 
more uh, common sort of ways that you talked about branding before. And look, we now have clients and and other farmers we know who now are literally making a big effort in branding. They have websites and uniforms and social media accounts, etc. Um, are you seeing more and more of that about the, the clients that you recruit for are branding themselves and make and you know making a big effort both online and on social media? in in showing their workplace to attract um staff there has been a, a slight uptick with that i mean it, it should be miles ahead of where it is which is you know branding your business on social and a lot of people we're going through a transitional a generation transition here too as you know dave with you know baby boomers and things and, and them sort of coming out with the young ones coming in and with those younger ones coming in it's bringing different skill sets and and more more positivity surrounding you know tech tech advances and stuff and social media is we all hate it but we're all addicted to it and but the younger <laughs> um, actually thrives on it and and you can it's a it's a very very powerful platform mm. if it's used correctly but like you said negative and positive isn't it like it's it's whether if you do a bad when you were talking before about um about bad reputation you know like if you have an, an employee have a bad experience on your property that through social media is going to travel like wildfire isn't it oh well and we see it all the time you know people people that where maybe we haven't got it quite right on the induction with our new client on the drug you know we've been a bit lackluster on this on the draft gate in and and you you put the ad out there and you know immediately there'll be people commenting um negative stuff about it so we're constantly watching to eliminate that but that's the first sign of you know you guys are in strife here um you've got you've got to address this big time and and no one's ever going to put their hand up and say yeah that's my fault sorry about that they're all going to say no we don't we're all perfect um you know that was dad back in the 80s he was a bit of a rough bugger um whatever it is and like i said before whether it's deserved or not if it's there it has to be realized and you have to make that a very big priority to rectify it um, quite quickly. And the best way of doing that is via social media. And is that like a, like in our businesses, I'm sure you've done it and we've done it. Yeah. For us, you know, um, I love the, uh, I love the comment that culture kills strategy every time because I've found in my 25 years of business it to be very true. Do businesses, farm businesses have to step into this territory that we all have sort of had to manage in a probably more urban landscape, well, certainly since I've left farming, is this idea of assessing and looking at your business culture um, because um, it really permeates everything, doesn't it? It does. It is. Without that, you know, you might as well put a, 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 a for sale sign out the front in the current market. And that's where, where we're getting to is it, and that's, you know, what I'm saying in the market all the time, you guys have got to realise how important this is. It is not, you know, it's not, um, buddy, very floss this it, it is so crucial if you're wanting to expand or even just continue in the same trajectory um it is crucial because we we don't have any more many staff new staff getting trained in the industry you know what we've got numbers wise is is we're going to have that for a long time um so you've got to you, yes, it is an absolute crucial thing is before you even go and order that bloody seed before you put the crop in is look at that first um, and and put it at the top of the priority list. And I know a lot of a lot of people go, oh, it's all bullshit and, you know, I don't have time to do it. Well, outsource that to someone else. You know, you've got to have it as a main priority. And there are plenty of good people. I've noticed there's a rise of some really, really good advisors now in 
in what I call the functional side of HR and OHS, like contracts and safety, et cetera. Like um, I interviewed Danielle from uh, ProcessWorks um, last week, I think it was. And, you know, there's some really good operators in that functional side. But like you said, there's also probably some really good operators in this. Well, I know in the certainly in the um, the cities and probably in the large cities with regional cities, there's some really good people who can help you with culture and and values and all those sort of things that are, are fairly um, par for the course in a lot of businesses, aren't they? They are, but the biggest thing is, as you know, like you've got to you've got to click over in your mind to actually want it because we can all go to conferences and and um, walk out with our chest puffed out, thinking, Jesus, you know, we're going to be God's gift to agriculture now and then 24 hours later you to what you were doing um, it, because it's like anything, you, you've got to actually want to do it. And I think to, to pr prompt more people to, to actually want to do it is to let them know that this is critical. You know, this is a major, major part of any successful business and, 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 and agriculture is no different. Mm. I, I um, interviewed... Um... Sam Marwood, I don't know if you're Sam, from um, Cultivate Farms yeah, um, a while ago. And um, his job is he's matchmaking young um, people who actually aren't, they haven't had the, the, the privilege of being born into a farming operation but want to get into one. And he matchmakes them with farmers who are retiring but don't have a natural family successor but want to stay in the game. And it was really interesting. There was a lot of... There's similar parallels to what you're talking about, you know, like these people, there's, there is, and he was saying there's lots of young people who would love to get into ag, but he goes, the farms have to be right. You know, they have to have the skills, obviously, and, and all that, but the farms have to be right, ready to give them the opportunity. So it's, he's got this really interesting matchmaking system going on, but it's more about getting both people ready for the matchmaking rather than the matchmaking itself. Did right, did right, and I, I know full well that the major issue or the major time-consuming thing on that type of the relationship is is yes, the young person they're they're pretty simple. It's the farmer again with that old old mentality that you know I want some I can't you know we potentially can't even do it physically now, but they won't bloody relinquish themselves from it. Um, mm -hmm. Is that watch from afar? You know, again, the, just appreciate that good, an effective business puts the right person in the role to, and lets them go at it. Um, no holding above them, and that's you know that cultivate farms a beautiful model. But I, I can see that that's where he would be potentially struggling with not not necessarily candidate, but getting that that mindset shift from from the from the farmer. Oh yeah, he said the candidates are you know usually they're just fired up. You know they've been wanting this their whole life and they've been working really hard. It is right. It's about, he says, there's a lot of about getting the people who are interested in this idea, getting the farm and the farm owner ready really is is the big, and I think he has a checklist and a whole lot of stuff. So it's, it, you're quite right. It is a, is a big challenge. So um, the other challenge we talked about is community. So what I notice when I'm out and about um, visiting clients is, and when I go home to my hometown, is towns are getting really small now, like there's not many people in them. So all those community structures that I grew up with um, were no, are no longer there or they're very small or intermittent. Um, I mean, I lived in a district within a town and we're not in a very big area and we used to have our own hall within a district. Now you'd be lucky to have a hall within the town. So is this a unique challenge? So how are... 
how are your clients um, or dealing with this challenge of isolation, especially for partners of employees as well as the employees themselves? Um, you know, are you seeing any solutions emerging to this challenge at the moment? Not really. And again, you know, there are some good out there that, that do appreciate that and and, and do um, try their best to make it fit, mainly for, you know, happy wife, happy life. Um, but majority of them aren't. And, and that's a major problem with remote areas. And unfortunately, the definition of remote now has changed significantly too with this younger gen- demographic. You know, remote used to, for me and you used to be, um, you know, um, at six hours away from a regional centre or from a small mm-hmm. yeah. um, Whereas remote now for a lot of these people is, you know, 25 minutes from Woolies. Um, so it, it has changed a lot and it, 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 it's a major concern for, you know, a lot of our clients that, that I don't call remote, but it's not, they're not around that buzzy sort of cultural sort of community um, where you might be an hour, an hour and 20 minutes out of Dubbo, but, you know, the only, the town's got a, dirty old bloody pub and a, and a server and that's about it it is a major issue um and you sort of you know you, realistically you can't push that back to the cockies and sort of tell them to create create a club or a function room or something but they need to see that again they need to realize that 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 will make or break a successful recruit um, mm. um and you know potentially even in in certain areas buying you know bind together with with your your local with your mate with your mates next door and stuff and and, and host a, a function once once a month or something um but but more importantly appreciate that number one it's not very attractive for, for people nowadays unfortunately um and number number two is that if you do get them there you've got to you've got to work on that unfortunately which a lot of farmers out there be going for Christ's sake. What do you want us to do next for them? Like you know, make their bed for them. But it is a it, again, it's a very big business decision that that is greatly affecting how these big operators that are remote can operate. Um, yeah, I love that idea. You talked. You, we talked about that the other day or last week, and it's a really, it's almost a controversial, but almost a sensible suggestion in yourself. So a lot of these areas, so when people's grandfathers or great-grandfathers settled those regions, there was no town, there was no community, there might have been a railway siding. And they created these social institutions to get together as settlers. You know, they would have built a church, a hall, a, a club, etc. So I almost feel when you were talking about it the other day, it's almost like going back to that where you are now large operations. There's not many farmers left in ta- left in the district because you've all bought each other. So maybe you have to go back to um, and recreate those institutions that your grandfathers or great grandfathers did, and um, and build those clubs for your collective employees. I suppose to create that social infrastructure that is now essentially you. I suppose for the last two or three generations, the town's just really taking care of it for us, but no longer anymore, is it? No, it's not. And 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 a lot of a lot of farmers unfortunately don't see it as their responsibility to entertain, which, you know, you're not we're not these guys don't want to be entertained every night, but once a fortnight, once every three weeks, you can let them let their hair down safely. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I sort of think back to my time up in the in the territory where, you know, had a lot of staff on and it was tiring because you were basically, you know, some of them, some of the staff's father, you know, you're trying to run a two or three cattle stations, you've got the issues of that, plus also you've got the politics of, of staff having nowhere else to go um, and, and the issues that arise there. But we used to 
socialise with them, you know. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to mean go and build a hall or hire the hall out and put on, you know, bring a DJ down from bloody Sydney or something, but, you know, take them fishing. Um, just say, righto, guys, you know, we've had a fair crack the last few weeks. We're going to go into bloody, you know, go and hire a boat or we'll go for a swim somewhere. We'll go we'll go, or sit down and just have a barbecue and have a yarn and a few stubbies. Like, it's not to include them and that that a lot of you know the risk of the risk is that if you don't do that they're going to float um anyway and the risk for me up there was if you did let them go into town you're always getting you know one of them's going to get locked up one's going to crash a car um, <laughs> so you used to prefer, prefer to do it at home and it didn't take that much time but they they respect the hell out of that because oh you know we my wife and kids were all part of that you know get around the table outside and have a few too many drinks but you know play a bit of music have a bit of bloody fun with them um mm. and include them and you know that, that that'll last in two or three weeks and you know mm. It's great. It always reminds when you said that it's like about going to town. It reminds me of a Yellowstone episode. If anyone's ever watched Yellowstone, probably everybody has. Is um, old John Dutton says he goes, "Don't let them go to town. Nothing ever good happens in town." Um, <laughs> and that was cowboys fighting. I think most of the time in that in that idea. Um, so we're getting down to the nuts and bolts of, uh, of recruitment, and we've learned a lot. So to so really to finish off, John. Uh, um, is what are the what do you reckon is I always ask guests their biggest myth right in your case what do you think one of the greatest myths in rural recruitment is in in you know this idea of, you know in everything we've talked about what do you reckon one of the big myths that gets about that you have to dismiss all the time oh god there's heaps of them um I suppose the biggest myth is that the, the clients come to us assuming that, that we've got them stacked in the shed here sideways. Um, just, tell me, <laughs> just tell me the age and, and the hair colour you want and I'll send one now, um, <laughs> we, it, it's, which we certainly don't do that. Um, so I suppose, and that and that comes back to exactly what we said right at the start, is that they've got to appreciate that we're in dire straits here as an industry that there is not many people out there. You've got to attract them. You've got to retain them. So, and, and in most cases, that does come down to the employer. Um, so that's that's probably the biggest myth. Um, so what you're saying there is it, it, it's a really good summary is that, that no matter how much, like you, we can all go um, and have drinks with our friends and complain about the market and how our young staff member did something stupid yesterday or whatever. But that's not going to help us get people. You know, at the end of the day, we have to change rather than expecting a whole generation of employees to suddenly jump out of the woodwork or change to what we expect the world to look like. Dead right. Dead right. And another thing I'm constantly saying to David is, you know, with anyone, what is your point of difference? Because, you know, I've just explained our point of difference. Um, the candidate wants to know what your point of difference as an employer is, you know, and tell us what that is and, and new machinery or, or um, you know, a um a 15 year old highlight you isn't a point of difference it's um <laughs> it's all about your culture and stuff like that and what i would say how i explain the importance of that is that you know in the current market if you're you're calling me from two hours north of wagga looking for an exceptional farm hand farm manager general manager whatever it is i guarantee you know everyone within a 2000k radius would be looking for for exactly the same person mm -hmm. So how do you stand out from the crowd, basically, without falsifying it? Um, and that is, it all comes down to that 
that cultural fit that you know we want we want the right people to come in here and grow with us we don't want you to come in here and we'll um like i said before um treat with neglect and, and tell you what to do every day um because no one gets in, enthused about that yeah i don't think any of us have been told what to do isn't it i remember once so um someone t- um, told me they said you gotta remember you don't employ really good expensive people then tell them what to do because you sort of your miles will just um get rubbish if you're going to tell them what to do so good people don't want to be told what to do every day they just want to get good at their jobs is what you're saying you did right and it works both ways if they can have this bit of a mental flip uh, flip um you know and and start working on the business as in as opposed to in it you know employ the right people to take that day-to-day stuff off you and they want to do it they want to do it with autonomy that allows you to be more effective you know in um looking at the at the business working on the business um it gives you more time off if you've got the right people it just it releases so much pressure everywhere if you just pull up stop having thinking you have to do it all yourself because oh mate won't bloody do it properly um Mm -hmm. and put the right people in the job and you'll see things flourish everywhere and it's um yeah simple as that um one thing i just i just remember i had to ask you but when i was farming it was a long time ago you know there's a pretty decent supply of labour in town and we've just talked about towns. And so now we're really looking to probably look for opportunities for to attract people who might never have been exposed deeply to agriculture before. They might be from a large regional city maybe or even a major capital city. Is there now for us to build the idea as farm managers, is the idea that you might now have to invest a lot more in um, on training, induction, give people a bit more time to get up to speed than you might have been used to doing in the past because people just are, are not naturally exposed to farming on a day-to-day basis, maybe the potential candidates. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I sort of touched on that earlier is that, you know, the, the numbers in ag now are basically going to stay the same because there hasn't been a mass, mass influx into, into ag careers or, or, you know, further education or anything. Agriculture, unfortunately, has never been branded as a, as a career of career choice um through the through the colleges or, or schools throughout australia it, you know it's still renowned to be a ass out of your pants hard 14 hour a day work to nothing type of industry which so the whole industry needs to band together and change that perception too very quickly because it's certainly not and i'm sort of talking with a lot of people as you say from towns all the time saying that agriculture is a very bloody lucrative career path for the right people you'll be able to progress very quickly with the right teachers so the other thing is too, David, that, you know, all the, all, all, all those cockies are unfortunately to blame in some degree with this is that there's so many people wanting a leg up into the ag industry, but no one wants to train them. So everyone wants skilled, skilled people, but no buggers willing to train them because you ask them why not and, and they revert it back to the award wage, constantly lifting and sort of say, well, you know, I've got to pay them bloody $900 a week. I'm not training the bastards. Um, <laughs> I think you've got to you've got to allow, and what I always say, say to a lot of clients is too, if you're in a big, you know, medium to big size business, just have that trainee coming through the ranks all the time. Um, you know, yes, they're going to make you have a few more grey hairs and pull your hair out and, and cause issues, but you've got to support the industry that you're in, um, and then that is by educating people in agriculture and and making it feel and seem to be a, a really good career path because it is. Um, 
so that's that's a that's a major thing too. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think when you're talking about these businesses are getting bigger, and it's really about saying, okay, we're going to have to carve off a bit of the the PNL to really, like you're saying, to invest in people, to to train people, to give younger people a go, because. Um, but collectively as an industry, if everybody does that, you're going to end up with, you know, a, a qualified and a, an engaged labour force. Um, so it's about, yeah, it's um, uh, another, when I was really, really young in business, when I'd left farming going into into this business, is uh, it was about training and I had a mentor who told me, and he goes, um, people always worried that if I train people up, they're just going to leave. And, I, and he said, but what if you don't train them up and they stay? <laughs> They're right. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the other one, you know, I remember a mentor of mine many years ago told me that, you know, I'll pay you enough that you can go and buy the farm next door, but I'll treat you good enough that you don't want to. Um, yeah. Is yeah. another perfect analogy. So, and, and that's it. And also to get, get away from the mindset that, you know, I want someone for bloody 10 years. It, that, that's gone, completely and utterly gone. Mm-hmm. Um, is it be a business that if you do get good staff come in, treat them well, educate them, get them to climb the ladder because this younger generation are wanting to climb a bit quicker than the old ones. Don't push back on that. Allow it to happen. Progress them as quick as you can. And worst case scenario or best case scenario, after three years, four years, where your the rungs of your property run out, um, push them into the next one uh, and let them go with a with a good review um, and with a positive you know departure from them then they are going to start that that social media sort of um frenzy by saying you know you wouldn't get and it happens with our clients too we don't even ask for this but on some of our social media posts we'll get ex-employees posting on it saying you wouldn't get better people to work for now that shit if you if if you put a price on that comment organic comment you know you'd be talking thousands of dollars because that's what it means to a business and the idea is knowing where your business fits into that employee and a, a potential of employees ecosystem. Like you might be the business where people, you're the right size for people to get a start on or do their first five years on, but you might not be big enough for them to take their ultimate next career step. So it's being understanding that a bit, isn't it, what you're saying? It is. Let them go. Let them go. Pat them on the back. They'll pat you on the back and thank you profusely. They'll give your business a very good, very good um, image. Um, out in that 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 environment, um, and you, you start the next one coming through. Yeah, definitely. Now to finish off, mate. So I always ask people, John. So where, when you're not knee deep in agriculture and candidates, how do you spend your time, mate? Oh, um, geez, I on a lawnmower, um, out, out on the block here. It's 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 been hectic. And that's that. That's what I'm trying to change now too. Is, is sort of personal reflection is, I've got got the business now with exceptional staff to a point where I can relinquish myself enough and feel content in that. So I realise it's been a big big pill to swallow. But like we've just been talking about, it, it shit it makes a difference. Um, so now looking at doing, I don't know. I moved here to the Sunshine Coast four years ago thinking, um, you know, I might start surfing and go fishing. Well, <laughs> haven't been. I think we've been to the beach about six times in four year, five years. Um, so, no, I'm a bit of a workaholic, David, um, and um, which is, you know, that, that's who I am. So I, I, I'm always... So maybe you made a surfboard and a fishing rod for Christmas then, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's right. It's um, no, we, we do enjoy a bit of camping and, and just staying at home and, 
you know, we've got two young two teenage daughters, so they keep us bloody busy anyway. So if I'm not in the office, I'm in a car taking one to work or um, the other one to gymnastics or picking one up or, yeah. I think every parent can um, can uh, empathise with you there, mate. It's, uh, the, uh, it's the constant taxi service, isn't it? It is. It is. But one of my best things I can do is on a Sunday leave the phone inside. Um, that's that's the equivalent of going to the bloody Canada for a ski trip for two weeks. Yeah, no, that's really good advice. Well, thank you very much, John. Um, the if people want to um, get hold of you, I know your books are pretty full, but if you have some, if you if you have one of those exceptional businesses and um, they need some help finding some exceptional staff, um, we'll put all your details in the show notes. Um, um, but drove rag. So you just drove rag.com.au, John? Or? Uh, yes, that's right. Yep. 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 Um, yeah, no, that's right. And and I also want to say, Dave, too, and I ne- never expect anything out of this, of course, but again, my passion is to try and get this industry to, to, to work together and, and progress is that if any of you, anyone listening, just wants to have a yarn about mm-hmm. anything, just, yeah, for Christ's sake, give me a call. I'm, I'm more than happy to talk with people and, and sort of. Point them in the right direction if I can. Um, yeah, so we do a lot of that. Yeah, that's really that's really generous, Sean, because there's a lot of people maybe listening to this going, yeah, I know I'm not quite there and I want to be there and I want to have one of those businesses that, you know, has great and healthy, you know, happy staff that recommend other staff, but I don't know where to start. So it's, it's, it's sometimes, so what you're saying is if you want to chat and want to work out where to start, you know, um, certainly, I know you have a resource on your website, but like you said, just have a chat. Yeah, just reach out. Just give give us a call. Um, happy to happy to talk all the time. Yeah. Good on you. Well, thank you very much for your help today, John, and for um, being on the podcast. And um, and um, everybody, you know, that was a, a bunch of wisdom. And um, thank you very much, John. Thanks again for listening to Boots Off. Log on. Our aim with this podcast is to give you access to the best minds in agricultural business and to help your farm business thrive. So if you have any feedback or suggestions for the podcast, including people you believe I should interview, please email bootsofflogon at agrimaster.com.au. If you like this episode, please take time to share it on social media, or even better, directly with at least one friend today. And take the time to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, as it really helps us reach more farm businesses like you. As always, if you'd like to know more about AgriMaster Farm Business Management Software and Services, you can find us at agrimaster.com.au. I look forward to speaking to you next time. Thank you.